point. You can have another half point. All right, thank sure, you. Why not? Thank you. Oh my gosh, so now usually we are talking about this year as being the metal ox, right?、Mm-hmm. That is the assigned element for this year. But actually, it has a fixed element, which is Earth. So it's always Earth, as is Taurus. Oh. Okay. Okay. All right. Moving on. Number five. This animal is also a constellation. Taurus. That is、Taurus. correct. Okay. So the twelve signs on the Western zodiac are all astrological signs.、Uh, the sun occupies Taurus between April twentieth and May twentieth. So the sun is in that constellation during that period of time. That's why、oh. it's called Taurus. Oh, oh. Okay, there, I see. I see. That's a, that's. So the sun has something to do with it. I had no idea. You see, I'm learning things every day. Wow. What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? In 2017, the government got rid of one of its most archaic institutions, the Mongolian and Tibetan Affairs Commission. Since fleeing to Taiwan in 1949, the government hasn't had any control whatsoever over areas where Mongols and Tibetans live. But whether through bureaucratic inertia or wishful dreams of one day retaking these areas, the commission persisted. The now defunct commission has left us with a real gem, though: the Mongolian and Tibetan Cultural Center in Taipei. Here, in a flamboyant building festooned with Tibetan prayer flags, people can now visit regular exhibitions on Mongol and Tibetan culture, take part in cultural events, sit in on lectures, and even take Mongolian and Tibetan language classes. This week, I'm excited to talk with one of the organizers of the center's latest exhibition. It's been given a Mongolian name, Nudel, which Google Translate tells me means migration, an apt name for an exhibit about a nomadic culture. It focuses on the yurt or ger, the traditional tent-like structure that Mongols call home and carry with them as they migrate through the land until they reach the next place to set up camp. But this exhibit is about more than the yurt itself. As curator Buyan Jargal Batsuren will tell us today, there's a deeper focus here on something she calls Mongols' homemaking philosophy. Through objects found in a typical yurt, like furniture and children's toys, and through the works of six featured artists, this exhibit explores Mongol identity and especially how their homemaking philosophy has adapted to the modern age. One quick note before we begin: the lands where Mongol people live are divided by an international border. On one side is the independent nation of Mongolia, where Buyan Jargal Batsuren and the other curators of this exhibit are from. But there's also a sizable chunk of land where Mongols live inside the borders of China, in a place called Inner Mongolia. The artists featured in this exhibit hail from both sides of the border, so don't be confused. Mongolia is an independent country, and Inner Mongolia is right next door in China. There aren't many Mongols in Taiwan from either side of the border. So first, I'm curious about how Buyan Jargal Batsuren got here. A majority of Mongolian population in Taiwan are students, exchange students, or scholarship students, master degree students. So there are very little population of Mongolian migrant families here. I've been living in Taiwan almost nine years, and I met my husband while I studied in Singapore. So we built our family in Taiwan and raising our children here. 
From Mongolia to Singapore to Taiwan, clearly she knows a thing or two about migration, the theme of this exhibit. So what, in her view, does the exhibit's core theme, Mongolians' homemaking philosophy, actually mean? People may wonder how nomadic people live in one room house. And they also may wonder like how our living situation looks like because there's only one room, you know. But the truth is, Mongolia make the home with the philosophy. The philosophy about respect, which means like where is father area, where is mother area, where is kitchen located. You know, the every base of Mongolian youth has its own custom and it must be followed. And it's a philosophy of belief, which means we also decorate our youth. This equation is not according to what we like. It follows the belief in symbolic meaning. Every furniture of Mongolian years has its own space. And it's also a philosophy of living in the nature. Mongolians are called as people of nature. So all our necessities, all, all our housing, everything we live with all comply with the nature. So Mongolian years made of 100% of natural-made materials. There's no nails or no screws in it. We carry a little to nothing because environment will provide all we need. We wanted to highlight this concept and this homemaking philosophy through our concept of how traditionally lifestyle being modified to modern way of life. So as you can hear, it's a bit complicated. First, there's the matter of respect, from where mothers, fathers, and other family members can sit and what spaces they can use in the home. Then in this tradition about where things go and what the home decor means symbolically. And finally, there's a respect for nature, using only natural materials and taking care of the environment in the knowledge that it will provide everything Mongols need to live. The exhibit covers both of the cultural center's two stories. Among the artifacts on display are plenty of things that you might actually see in a typical yurt. Like children toys, and even we have a like traditional game which is called shagat. So we have displayed like more than 100 pieces of shagat on our traditional area. But this idea of homemaking philosophy is something the curators believe is best conveyed through art. There are six artists in total, as we mentioned earlier. Four are from the independent nation of Mongolia. One is from the other side of the border, in Chinese Inner Mongolia. And the final artist, you'll never guess this, is a photographer from the African nation of Zimbabwe, who's made Mongolia a prominent part of his work. We're going to hear an introduction of five of these artists, starting with a Mongolian abstract painter. Miss Gamachar, she's participating in another exhibition with her abstract paintings which describes Mongolian traditional pattern and ornaments and its characteristics in artist way. And she passionately expressed her fascination of pattern and modern color and flavor. From abstract painting, we move on to textiles, things like table runners designed in a traditional Mongol fashion by, suitably enough, a Mongolian fashion designer. There are our second artist, Ms. Shilagma, who is a professional fashion designer and well-known cute artist in Mongolia. She develops her design from Mongolian traditional pattern and historical culture. So her passion is to continue our tradition by modifying it into the modern use. For example, like she makes bed runner, table runner, bed cover, and other home textiles with the traditional pattern and ornament. 
Next, it's back to painting, but in a very different style, this time by a painter slash illustrator from Mongolia. Our next artist, Mr. Tushinto, is a painter. He's also an illustration artist. The Mongolians are nomadic nation. Uh, our nomadic lifestyle and culture formed from the relationship between human, animal, and nature. So this concept precisely describes Mr. Tushinto's illustration art. He has been painting Mongolian traditional pattern and ornaments for years. So he contributes his research works for development and promotion of Mongolian traditional arts. Now we cross the border to the Chinese side in Inner Mongolia. This Inner Mongolia-born artist now lives in Taiwan, where he promotes awareness of ecological issues through his paintings, wooden pieces, and sculptures. Mr. Lin Fan is an artist from Inner Mongolia, and he's been living in Taiwan for almost 15 years. And his art describes his childhood memory, living in a desert, through his paintings, and he raised awareness for ecosystem through his wood art and sculpture. Finally, there's the work of Zimbabwean photographer Paul Cox. And our last artist, Mr. Paul Fox, he's a Zimbabwean photographer. He has been traveling between Hong Kong, Taiwan, and Mongolia for past few years. And he captured the daily life of Mongolia and how Mongolians live with modernity during the migration. For example, like how Mongolians use TV, heater, and internet while living in the year. So our exhibition is located at the first and second floor of the Mongolian Tibetan Culture Center. The first floor exhibits explains about Mongolian nomadic lifestyle, Mongolian decorative art. The second floor exhibits displays feeling of home country and ecosystem through Mr. Zinfuan's art and some environment challenges in everyday life of Mongolia through Paul Cox's photographs. It probably isn't every day that the average Taiwanese person thinks about Mongols, but the issues this exhibit explores about home and what makes a home are universal ones. And there's a place right in their backyards where they can learn what home means to Mongols. The exhibit's Nudel, or Migration, runs at Taipei's Mongolian and Tibetan Cultural Center through June 30th. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. Sometimes when you walk around at night in Taiwan, you'll hear this strange percussive noise coming from people's houses. It sounds like a lot of small, hard things colliding with each other. Now, you'd be forgiven for thinking that everyone has rock collections and that they take aggressively good care of them, moving them around and even washing them. But those are definitely not rocks, although you could use them to make a lot of money. I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Ear to the Ground, I bring you into a little hut behind my friend's house, which is used exclusively for people making this clacking noise. An ear to the ground.
You can usually hear this clacking sound in the middle of the night, and it's often heard around the clock during the Chinese New Year time. Have you guessed what it is? Well, it's the sound of mahjong tiles. That's my friend Humi asking her parents' friends if I can watch them play. They ask me if I know how to play, and of course, like any smart person who only has played a couple of times, I say that I don't. They ask Humi if she wants to play, and she makes a quick excuse saying that she doesn't want to become addicted. And then she escapes to the bathroom. She's smart too, because it is addictive. That's why her family has a little hut that's reserved just for playing mahjong, and sometimes the game lasts all night long, and then all the next day, and sometimes, like during the Chinese Lunar New Year, it lasts for days at a time. Now, of course, it's not always the same people. They switch in and out and go home, or maybe take a shower or eat something. Although those activities are optional too when you're playing mahjong. Now, aside from the sound of the clacking mahjong tiles, it's almost silent inside this little hut. You can hear a little electric fan whirring in one corner, and they occasionally mutter something under their breath. But even the little poofy white dog sitting on one woman's lap is completely silent. The four players sitting at each side of a square table each have a little wooden rack with tiles in front of them. That's their hand. Now there are three suits in mahjong: money or circles, bamboos, and characters. And then there are the winds and the flowers and seasons and other characters too. At the center of the table, there's a square of tiles stacked too high, sort of like the four walls of a castle. The players take from one end and then discard in the middle. I've never seen anyone move quite as quickly as they're moving, and in fact, they don't even need to look at the tiles. All it takes is touching the face to know what it is. And suddenly, just like that, somebody wins. They begin to remove money from their personal stashes, which are kept in a little drawer on each side of the table. And of course, they hand it over to the winner. And then it's time to wash the tiles. Now, of course, they don't use water to wash the tiles. They just turn them face down and then begin moving their hands over them in big circles, colliding them up against each other. That's the part that sounds like someone maintaining their rock collection. After a little while, I stand up to leave and I thank them for letting me watch. I tell them that by watching their hands and how quickly they play, they look highly skilled. But they correct me: they're not just highly skilled; they're professionals. And certainly, some people do make enough money off of mahjong to make it a full-time job. Soon enough, they're setting up the castle walls in the middle and drawing tiles, having moved seamlessly straight from one game into the next. And as I leave, I can't help but thinking about how Taiwanese parents always complain that their kids spend too much time playing computer games. It's something the parents the world over say. But watching these parents play mahjong, I can't help but wonder what their kids say about them. The upside is, it's supposed to help ward off Alzheimer's. So you can keep that one in mind the next time you need an excuse to play mahjong. With the near to the ground, I'm Andrew Ryan. 
pull yourself together already. It's time to feast. Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hello, welcome to the feast, and this is Ellen Chu, and this is Andrew Ryan, and in the studio we have with us our Wintern Reese Ayers. How you doing? Yeah, he's really busy right now. He is really. What are yeah. you doing there, he's Reese? Really Very busy. I'm just like using a mortar and pestle to crush up some Sichuan peppers. Oh, I thought you were doing like <laughs> performing some kind of witchcraft right yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's a love potion. Also, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it working? Who it you, is. What are you trying to do? I'm 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 crushing up some Sichuan peppercorns into like a powder that we can hopefully taste and put in our mouths and, and lose I can really sensation. smell it from here, you know. It's like you smell the seed, you know, breaking off and you know the the spiciness is getting my nose. This is hard. <laughs> it is it is hard to crush those little peppercorns. It's working though. Yeah. We've got like a nice powder forming <laughs> at the bottom. Ooh, it's ooh, flying ooh, all over it's, the studio. It's kinda like the jumping beans, the Mexican jumping beans. <laughs> those are fun. Ooh, hey, hey. We have little peppercorns jumping to their death. We right. do. Um, uh, so I'm not sure how much powder we're gonna get out of this. You might have to just put a whole peppercorn in your mouth. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, if you haven't guessed, we are actually uh, doing a show uh, about one of the most numbing spices in Chinese and Taiwanese cuisine. So, our show is called Numbing or Nummy. Ooh, <laughs> Numbing or Nummy. So, do you feel numb? And today, we will really extremely bring you to the numb of the extreme. Numb to the um. Yes. And the reason why we want to do this show is because I think a lot of people have felt pretty numb this past year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, lots of heavy things have been happening. It has mm-hmm. been a tough year. Um, and we're, I guess we're all hoping that 2021 will kind of bring a new leaf. Yes. Mm. Um, but there are some beliefs about the Sichuan peppercorn and what it does to your body. And it's kind of like a fresh start kind of food. Mm. So I think mm. it's perfect that we have it right now at the beginning of the year. So it's kind of like a reset for your body. Yeah, and it's like, it's got some, it's, it's flying all over the studio. It's just attacking Reese, you know. I don't think they are very happy with what yeah. Reese is doing. In our first course, we can get into more about like how it works and what it does for you and, and how it's used in medicine and stuff. Okay. You want to mm-hmm. kind of like dip your finger in there. And do you want to sample it now or do you want to do it later? Oh, we can do, I mean, we can do it later. Why don't you smell it first? Give it a I already smell it in here. Huh? Is it going to okay. make you sneeze? Oh, it's yeah. just like that can for I me, that smell. It's so uh, it's so nostalgic. Really, I spent eight years in China, and my favorite cuisine I think in the world is Sichuan cuisine and Hunan cuisine, oh, and they love to use these spices. They use a lot. You know what's really interesting is that with spices like this, the the taste on your tongue and the smell in your nose are not necessarily exactly the same. You're right. Mm-hmm. So actually, in the nose, it smells just a little bit woody mm-hmm. and a little bit like perfumey. Well, I think what you're getting there is the citrus smell because mm. it's actually a citrus-related plant, which we'll ah. we'll get into in the first course. But really? That, that, yeah, like if you kind of s- smell it again, you might get some some citrus there. Mm-hmm. You know, what's interesting is uh, we have a mountain pepper in Taiwan called macau, mm-hmm. and if you have the macau fresh, it it's also kind of tastes nimo. lemony. Yeah. yeah, lemony. Yeah, but if you grind it up, you dry it and you grind it up, it tastes like a pepper. Mm. Mm. So I think maybe they're from even the same family. Yeah, they yeah. might be. Yeah, yeah, but the macau doesn't have a numbing. Uh, kind of feel to it. Okay. So when was the last time you had something uh, that made you feel numb? And you can you can answer food-wise or body-wise or mentally. Um, does anything 
come to mind when I say the word numb? Mm, I think going back to talking just about last year in general, you know, as somebody who's involved with current events and, and the media, just like consuming everything last year, whether it was coronavirus or the US election or like worrying about my family and how they're dealing with it. Like that kind of... I I. I was eventually just desensitized to it all because it was mm. just every day, you know, numbers about coronavirus and what's happening in the States. And, and I just got numb to it all, which mm. is not a good thing, I think, because it makes me feel a bit less human. Less connected, maybe? Yeah, because these mm. are things that I should be emotional and should care about. But because they're happening at just such a high frequency now, I'm just like... Mm. I'm not surprised anymore. I think that is because you're human. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I think you. it's the body and the brain's like defense mechanism to uh, desensitize you to things that are really painful to mm. feel. It is mm-hmm. because you're human that you feel those things initially, and then your body and your brain are actually protecting you. At least yeah. that's my experience. Therapy session. Therapy yeah. session. How about you, Ellen? For me, for me is you know listening to my mom talking about, you know, the same thing over and over and over and over and over over again for the past 15 years. I mean, the same complaint. Of course, you know, you need to care about, you know, what your mom is feeling and what Mm. complaints she Mm. has, what's bothering her. But, you know, when she's going back into her memory lane and digging up, you know, what happened like 20 years ago, and then she's been nonstop talking to me about it and the same scenario, the same story, and the same content for 15 years, I'm just numb. Okay. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. that's really, Things turned really dark for a moment now. Yeah. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. see? Um, that's hard, right? Shall I shift the topic? Yeah. <laughs> you um, must have something Andrew. similar, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Did you sleep on your arm last night? Yes. <laughs> I thought that's what I was going to say. Oh, really? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's the exact one. Like, uh, seriously, at least once a month, I will sleep on my arm and wake up and not feel it at all. Mm-hmm. And like, I've, I've actually been so afraid that it's I've gone and run and told somebody about it. I was like, oh my God, I think I, <laughs> I ruined my arm permanently. It's yeah. gone. It's Aww. scary. It is scary. Yeah, like, okay. And the pins and needles return it to its bloody glory. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's an uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. But I think it's also, you know, it's, it's important for our body to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you were in pain, well, maybe you'd wake up and you'd <laughs> change your position. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think the body does things and the brain does things for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question is, why do our tongues feel numb when we have these Sichuan peppercorns? Mm. But we're going to be exploring that in today's show. We wow. Okay. All right. So, shall we have a look at what is on our menu? Sure. In our first course, we'll be putting our tongues to the test by tasting some ground Sichuan peppercorn, which are known for their numbing powers. In our second course, we'll be discussing Mapo Tofu, a tofu dish well endowed with numbing peppers and spices. And our third and final course will be chowing down on that very dish. Get ready to lose all your sensation. Well, don't do that because that's one of the signs of coronavirus, too. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's a turn really dark there. Uh, we're going to go into a song, and all of our songs today have something to do with numbing. Mm. Uh, this is called Mamu, which means numb. Yeah, okay. hmm. and this is by Wang Daowen, yes. and we'll be uh, sampling these peppercorns in the studio when we return in our first course. Yeah. <laughs> 
他们梦，而我是陷阱中，是狗不是的轮廓，伪装内心的空洞，只是有假装的声音，将我灵魂困在小小的阴影里，只能重现曾失败的目的，无端在诉苦山的传染<音> okay, we're gonna go through the mumming test、mm. right the mumming now. Test. So each of us has a little、uh, pinch of citron peppercorns on our mouths, in our fingers. Sorry,、mm-hmm. and we're gonna stick it in on the count of three: one, two, three. Okay. Oh, I, I got a lot. I got a lot too. A lot of dust there. Oh, it's. Hmm. It's kind of bitter. At the beginning,、Not、too numbing.、Mm, I, maybe it takes a while to have effect. Oh, Or, it does. You know, there might be something about the cooking process as well that brings out the numbing power of it. I think so. When you, oh, it's coming.、Mm-hmm. Once you chew it, chew it. The numbing is coming. Oh, you know what? You need to get the black one. Oh yeah, because the brown one is the husk. So you need to get the this one here.、Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay, and there's like oh yeah. The brown yeah, one is the wu xiang, right?、Mm. It's no, it's all it's all the same thing.、Mm. It's just that it's the outside part and、oh. the inside part.、Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I got. Yeah,、it. I've got it now. I got it.、Yeah. You're right. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not it's not unpleasant though. I I quite enjoy that sensation. It's like almost as like a minty kind of feel,、mm-hmm. yeah, like a coolness on your tongue. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. The black parts. Yeah. Yeah, like the tip of my tongue is now kind of. Ooh, I think it also tastes a little bit like anise.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, aniseed the, or like bajiao. Yes, yeah. it yeah. does. Yeah. Um, But bajiao has the less numbing effect. That's right. Right, but it has that、um, same smell and taste.、Mm. Anise is, is is it related to licorice? That flavor, exactly. Right,、mm-hmm. yeah. exactly.、Um, this、yeah. is good.、Wow. But yeah, I mean, Sichuan peppercorns I think are famous around the world and named after Sichuan, which is where they're kind of mostly grown. Although they are native to Taiwan as、mm. well, apparently. Oh, really?、Um, and、mm. they the numbing effect that they have is like this chemical response, essentially. Uh, mm-hmm. And it actually causes a vibration on your lips. Vibration it makes your lips vibrate、uh, at fifty hertz. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. It's it's this very strange chemical. I wonder that, if that we could record、happen. that sound. Yeah, vibrating lips, <laughs> and then like <laughs> increase the volume. That'd be a hit song, I think.、Oh. Yeah,、mm. but it is it, it is citrusy in its smell and flavor because it's part of a citrus family of plants. It does、mm. have like a sweet aftertaste. It does.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do taste that.、Mm-hmm. So, so it's not related to peppers at all. No. So the name Sichuan peppercorn is is a misnomer.、Mm-hmm. Like it was called that because people from the West, when they tried it, I'm salivating. I know. My me、goodness. too. <laughs>、no. I think that、um, it makes you do that. It makes you. It produces saliva. It in your does.、Mouth. Yeah. So if you're in the desert, I think this is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. But people, when people tried it, they thought it tasted like black pepper, so they called、mm-hmm. it peppercorn. But it's actually not. 
anything to do with pepper. Okay. Interesting. Uh, in terms of its genetics. But, you know, looking at it after it's grinding, it looks like pepper. And then yeah. it smells a little bit like pepper, too. But mm-hmm. I guess it's not in the same family. Yeah. Mm. It's actually just like the husk of a fruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of the shell that's just crushed up and, and then seasoned, uh, put, put on food. You know, um, what's interesting is when I was going to go out and buy this this morning, I wasn't quite sure if the place that I went to is going to have it or not. My roommate told me, if you can't find it at that store, maybe try a Chinese medicine store. Yeah. Yes. Because they sell a lot of things like cinnamon. And they use that in Chinese medicine, too, yeah. because it does have some curing properties, too. Mm. Yeah, they say that it combats dampness in the body. So, uh, you know, places like Sichuan and Chongqing, where it's used a lot, uh, even in the summer, they say that you should eat like mala huoguo. Really? Yeah, because it's so humid there in the mm-hmm. summer. Mm. And the, the Sichuan pepper kind of helps helps you to dehumidify your body it's just Makes letting sweat. sweat yeah it gets your sweat <laughs> right? out and like gets all those toxins out of your skin and i honestly after living in china so long uh, and i was obsessed with hot pot after eating like a really mala hot pot you do just feel this kind of sense of like renewal in your body like a hot spring yeah pretty much yeah um and actually sometimes i would eat hot pot and it would give my it would give me a kind of high as well really i'm not sure what pet what spice that was but um i would sometimes get this kind of ethereal Mm. fuzz in my brain it felt really good so maybe eating citron peppercorns is the answer to solving that like numbness that we're all feeling from this past year it could be yes after feeling like nothing maybe Mm -hmm. we should go for some mala hot pot (laughs) and then it just renewals everything (laughs) right your body and your brain oh it's crazy yeah it's um so actually Chengdu was the first asian city to be Mm. designated a unesco creative city of gastronomy Mm. Um, and Chengdu of course is in sichuan yeah and it's famous for its uh sichuan peppercorns and cuisine made with it yeah and I just, I just love that before I came to Asia, I had no idea that something like this could exist in cuisine. Mm-hmm. You know, something that numbs your mouth sounds like a bad idea because then you can't taste anything. But it's <laughs> right. kind of part of the whole experience. It kind of like numbs it, your your palate, your your taste bud. And then after the numb goes away, it's refreshed. So do you think this is a, a flavor then, the numbness? Because we mm. have, you know, sweet, sour, spicy... Um, bitter, salty. salty. Um, do you think numbness should be one of those as well? I don't think it's a taste. It's a sensation. sensation. It's a feeling. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd agree with that. But aside from the sensation of numbness, what other sensations do we have? Like, would sourness be a sensation? Hmm. Sourness, I think you have a taste first. And then after you're, you know, you start to salivate, I think you have the sensation. I think the tongue is equipped with receptors that specifically notice sourness or spiciness mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. saltiness, whereas the numbing is more of like a physical sensation. Mm. It's actually your mouth becoming numb. So I wonder what kinds of uses people would use for citron peppercorn other than like Chinese cuisine. Do you think uh, people would use it in candy or in drinks? Or Well, yeah, there's a bar in uh, Beijing, which I used to go to. It's a microbrewery called Great Leap, and they had really good IPAs. And they used to brew um, a an IPA called Honey Ma Blonde. And mm. it was uh, an IPA made with Sichuan peppercorns. 
So Ooh. did your mouth turn numb after you drink it? No, it wasn't quite as obvious as eating a peppercorn raw, <laughs> but it, it did have a, there, like there was the kind of citrusy flavor of the peppercorn there and like a slight numbness to it, but it was delicious. You know what you could do? Do you remember when we made the Bloody Mary, the Taiwanese mm-hmm. Bloody Mary in the studio? We can add this, right? Yeah. So what we yeah. did is we rimmed the glass with um, salt and macao, Ooh. but actually you could use citron peppercorns and salt I to make it really working. You'll have a different sensation. Yeah. Yes. It's like numbing from Bloody Mary. Ooh, Ooh. Numb Mary. Numb Mary. <laughs> Mary Numb. Nummy Mary. Yeah. <laughs> so just some ideas. I think we should really, uh, we should workshop this. We could yeah, come up with some fun things. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to go into another song, and this is called Jiao Mama, or My Legs Are Numb. Mm-hmm. And this is by Bai He Hua. <laughs> so it's by White Lilies. Uh, when we come back in just a moment, Reese is going to bring us the story of Mapo Tofu. Yes. Ooh. A tofu dish that uses Citronese peppercorns. Delicious. <laughs> You're listening to Feast Meets West. Second course. Okay, second course, the story of Ma Po Dofu. I didn't know there was a story. <laughs> mm. So, literally, what does Ma Po Dofu mean in English? Who, who is Ma Po? Is it a person? And then, well, Dofu, of course, is tofu. Yeah. Is it a granny? Well, the, the Ma, Ma it comes from Ma Zi, which means like pockmark. So kind okay. of like a like an acne scar, I guess, in the skin. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh. So that's what a mat is. Okay. And then poor is and grandma? Poor is like, yeah, grandma or like old, old lady, lady, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so ma poor is like pockmarked old lady. Ooh. <laughs> that is not helping with making this dish sound appetizing. <laughs> I know. So nice. Well, it comes from the story of like where this dish comes from. It's actually a relatively newer dish when you take into account how long Chinese mm-hmm. history is. But it does originate in... In Chengdu in Sichuan uh, in 1862 and there was uh, a restaurant which was ran by an old couple called the Chens mm-hmm. uh, husband and wife I and know the Chens you know the Chens yeah they live down <laughs> yeah. the street yeah we're tight we're related yeah. <laughs> um, so Mrs. Chen who used to who used to cook in the restaurant she had a pockmarked face mm-hmm. and she got the nickname from her customers mm-hmm. uh, Chen Ma Po 
<laughs> which is nice. <laughs> so I know. That's terrible. Yeah. It's like, I'm oh, surprised like, she took it for all those years. Well, you know, after hearing it a couple of times, she probably was numb to it. Right. <laughs> dun dun. <Stop. laughs> oh, hey, look, it's a short, ugly Reese. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I guess she took it in her stride uh, because she actually eventually ended up renaming her restaurant okay. to the Chen Ma Po Tofu restaurant. Oh, wow. Um, and so her regular customers, they loved her cooking style and she made this dish it was like kind of jelly like tofu covered in like a thick spicy numbing sauce and she loved to throw loads of those Sichuan peppers in uh, and yeah that's how the dish got its name from this lady who made it and it was so popular it just like exploded all over China in a matter of decades wow she wanted to tell people you know if you want smooth I show you what is smooth yeah. mm-hmm. my tofu yeah <laughs> not my skin <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that uh, Mapo had the last laugh. She did. Right? Yeah. 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 I wonder if there is a, an original restaurant where she would have made this dish that's still in existence. Oh, I, you know, that's very interesting. Uh, I, I didn't find that in my research, but I, maybe. I, I hope so. Yeah. It was apparently by a river, um, mm-hmm. in, like near a mining village in, oh, okay. in, in Sichuan, in Chengdu. So it could still be there. Yeah. Could still be there. We should do a little research and find out if we can find that. Although I, I guess it's probably impossible to know. Because... Mm-hmm. Uh, I doubt it. Yeah. I, it's so old. 1860 what? Yeah. 1862. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Nobody's alive still from that generation. No. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a turtle or two. A turtle or two. <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm. So if you live in uh, Chengdu and you know the answer to that question, why don't you write us a letter? Right. Should we give our addresses? <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, listen in later on. Yeah. Oh, because Ella doesn't have it memorized. After I all these, do. Yeah. P.O. Box. One. <laughs> one, two, three, dash one, nine, nine. <laughs> Taipei, Taiwan. Oh, goodness. This is, a, this is a running joke that's gone for 20 years now. 20 years. Doesn't go old. Six numbers, oh, Ellen. No. <laughs> I have too much other numbers to remember, you know. Three That's, of them are in order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward for all involved, I'm sure. Right. Um, so after the story of Mapua Dofu, we're actually going to be sampling it in just yes. a moment in the studio. Okay. Uh, so Reese and I are going to go whip up a batch. Of <laughs> all right. Uh, but how about a song first? All right. Mala Ren. This is by Dojikong. <laughs> 想夜了把自己搞得颓废又邋遢不要再说我喜欢的话放了我吧狠狠地让我死心流泪吧不要再说我想听的话无力挣扎只能乖乖默默弹吉他哦累哦累累哦累累累的说不出话 
so we have just served up uh, some white mounds of rice topped by a beautiful uh, reddish brownish gravy with uh, little cubes of tofu peeking out from the top. Oh, this is good. It's quite spicy. Is it spicy? (laughs) This one's not bad for me. You might have gotten a really spicy part to it because I I haven't gotten spiced out yet. So this week he doesn't like you, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Right in the back of the throat. It's good though. It's very tasty. Do you taste the numbingness? It's there a little bit. It's there, but it's not like obviously. It doesn't hit you until like after you swallow all the tofu and the rice. Mm -hmm. And Mm. it leaves your tongue kind of like, you know, oscillating. Yes, oscillating. It does. Mm. I mean, in combination with all the other flavors, you know, it's part of five spice. Mm-hmm. Mm. You've got the chili and you've got this gravy, which is like, I think there must be some tomato in there. It's delicious. Yes. It just works so well. It's doubanjiang, usually with mm. mapo tofu. So, you know, this is usually the best lunch or dinner combination, like rice and mapo tofu. You just have this and nothing else. Mm-hmm. The great thing about mapo tofu is it if you're if you're not very hungry, mm-hmm. just one mouthful of this will actually spur on your hunger. Really? And it'll make you want to eat more. Is yeah. there like a reason behind that or is it just I, I feel like we've heard about this before, but I think it's it's often foods that combine a lot of different types of flavors. So you've got the the spicy, you've got the sweet, you've got the savory, you've got the sour. Mm-hmm. And when you hit that kind of magical kind of conflux is that a word? It is now. It is now. Think, well, we just invented it. It's in the Oxford <laughs> Dictionary. <laughs> the intersection. How's that? Mm. Um, okay. it, 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 I think that's when you can spur on It's like Thai appetite. food. Yeah. Thai food. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It hits all those notes. It's very, mm-hmm. very dynamic. Wow. And the tofu is so... I love that texture. It's so soft. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm saying this in Taiwan. I'm putting my life at risk. I don't really like white rice very much. <laughs> but mm-hmm. with mapu tofu, it just is such a good compliment. Because it is, it is a very intense flavor. To eat it alone would be a bit too much. Mm. But with the rice, it just... The rice really sucks up that... That sauce. Mm. You we know, say it's very sharp fun, right? I think mm. if you put it in like, you know, just soft bread. Mm. Also Ooh. good. Put a sandwich. Put it on I've toast. never tried that. And maybe add like two slices of cheese. Ooh, melt it on top. Yeah. Ooh, I would totally eat that. Mixing cuisines here. Ne- next time. Let's try that. You know, this filling is amazing. You could do all kinds of things with it. You could wrap it in a dumpling. You mm-hmm. could make it uh, into like, uh, you could put it in tacos. Yeah. yeah. Um, you could put it in, uh, we, we made, uh, what are those things called? Johnny KK's. The um, empanadas. Ooh. Yeah. You can make empanadas filled with mapo tofu. This is a good business idea, like Mexican meets Sichuan cuisine. Ooh, yeah. I see the overlaps. Yeah, yeah for huh. sure. Yeah. I think we could do that. Let's do it. Hey, let's start a food truck outside. Okay. <laughs> oh, we've just announced this on the radio. So. I know. So uh, <laughs> trademark it, quick. <laughs> By the right. time you hear it, we've already trademarked it. Yes, definitely. <laughs> oh, mapo tofu has become one of those dishes, right? Like uh, gong bao ji ding, kung pao chicken, mm-hmm. which is like... One of those famous kind of foreigner likes it dishes. Right, yes. It's right. always on the menu and it's usually, it's almost always pretty good. Right, mm. right. Um, although there are definitely gradients in terms of quality. I've had some really, really good mapo tofu in China. What do you think makes a really good or a really bad mapo tofu? I think it should be the tofu texture mm-hmm. itself yeah. and also the doubat. 
Okay, the dobanjang. The bean. So, the so bean that's paste. A, a bean paste, the right? Spicy chili bean paste. So would would restaurants usually make that themselves, or would they kind of buy it in? Uh, some restaurants make their own, but you know, I think you know, uh, just normal mom and pop stores they buy it in. Yeah. But the most important ingredients, I think, it has to be the tofu. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because the texture of the tofu has to be just you know super soft and you know like kind of like an egg. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. And they do use a silken tofu for this, or like uh-huh. an egg tofu. Mm-hmm. So and then they chop it up into the cubes, which. It's really actually hard to to cook it and keep the cubes intact. Right. So if you've done that properly, then it'll look beautiful. You'll have the nice cubes of white in the bed of red and brown. It yeah. does. It's very, very aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. I bet that the original Mapo, I bet she made her own Doubanjiang. I bet she did. Of course I bet she, she did. did. I, mean, and I bet it t- tastes different. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. Right? Too bad um, we can't go back and taste it. What's There's a very famous one, uh, Lao Gan Ma. Oh, right? yeah. It's super good. Have, oh. you, uh, have you heard of this one? Yeah. Uh, every household in China will have three jars of Lao Gan Ma in, in the wardrobe. <laughs> no, it's so good. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah. mm. A future okay. episode of The Feast. We're going to have many more to come. Many more to come. Yes. All, you know, spinning off of this ma po tofu. <laughs> yeah. And in Mexican cuisine, right? Yes. yes. You'll see us on the streets of Taipei selling our ma po tofu tacos. <laughs> right. And the first food truck will be outside of RTI parking yes, lot. Yes, that's right. Okay. That's right. All, All right. right. So if you enjoyed what you heard today, uh, like us, share us. Uh, also, send us an email. Yes. Or a letter. Write to us at P.O. Box 123-199, and that's Taipei, Taiwan. Email us at androo at rti.org.tw. And next week on our feast... We're going to have a fabulous show. I have an idea. Yes. I have an idea. Yeah? I went to Ali Shan recently, and I bought this thing called Shan Fen Yuan. Mm-hmm. It's a naturally growing... Um, I guess it's a Tapioca? seed. But it, but it comes out, you can put it in water and it turns it into like a tapioca drink. Ooh. So I okay. think maybe we'll do that next week. Very okay, neat. sure. Okay. And if we don't do that, I'll explain why next week. Okay. okay. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. It's been so much fun. Yes. Oh, we hope. Is he going to be around? I hope so, yeah. Uh, You'll join Chinese us again in the future? Year? I'd love to, yeah. I'll be okay. around, so. Excellent. Use we'll me. make that happen. Yes. Use you. Use me. <laughs> yes. Okay. We're we're not too annoyed by you. No, not so, at all. So, you know, we'll <laughs> Is bring you back. Is that a compliment, Andrew? <laughs> I don't know. It felt like a compliment, but I'm not sure. That <laughs> Usually, if it. I only see the intern once, you know, then I know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll find out. If he's back, that means okay. we liked him. Sure. Um, final song today. It's called Numb for our numbing show. Well, I hope, you know, we did bring you numbness to wake you up, okay? <laughs> in a good and way. Not, mm. Yeah, in a good way, but not numbing you too much that you're falling asleep or anything. That's okay? right. This is by the Airborne Toxic Effect. For Why do t- these people name their, you know, <laughs> band group like so long? <laughs> memorable. Yeah. It's memorable. memorable. Yes. Okay. For VCs, I'm Andrew Ryan. And this is Ellen Chu. And I'm Reese Ayers. And we will see you all next week. Bye. See Bye.
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw. Our 60-minute English program can be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6185 kHz. In South Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. You can also email us at rti at rti.org.tw.